0: Welcome to your Daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannan, and it is three days before Christmas, and I'm here with Lou Blasey, the non-grinch, non-Scrooge of the week.
1: I'm non-grinch.
0: Non-grinch this week, so what far. What happened? I I was a grinch well, a couple you, weeks ago. You, you, you're- My gonna, position
1: hasn't changed.
0: You're, <laughs> see, I give you something, and you take it away. <laughs> I start you out positive, and then you soul suck it right out of me. No, <laughs>
1: Just curious. Okay,
0: so here we go. Lou Blasey, the non-Grinch, non-Scrooge of the week. We're three days out from Christmas, and he's in a good mood. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to wear my jingle bells today. And what happened? I forgot when I walked out the door. (laughs) Grinch. (laughs) And then I got halfway here, and I was like, ah, I forgot them. Hmm. So next week in between. That's right.
1: You promised bells. I know. I forgot. I had them, too. Yeah.
0: My cousin was wearing them the other night at my house for well, my cousin's wife, who well, is like my cousin, she was wearing the jingle bells, and they were right there. And I forgot him when I walked out. <laughs> she kept telling me, she kept telling John that he looked like an elf because he was wearing the jingle bells and he had this weird hat on. So she took the bells from him.
1: That's <laughs> one hell of an elf.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so it's it's now coming into Christmas, and people are stressed out, and we have lots to talk about today, and. I think that um given that we have to do our review of our micro goals which we will do we I thought we would talk about um 2 weeks out from the new year and people have been asking me since the um initiation of the show of what what can you do that I don't know people always want more you know more yeah. and more people want more from me <laughs> around like information of how to manage you know not not just like relationships over the holiday or over these kind of stressful things like financial people put themselves into financial debt over the holiday. Yeah. People put themselves into food comas, people put themselves into relational issues. Um, so, and I was just right as I was coming into the studio today, I was just talking to a client who was having a crisis this morning um, over multiple things about the holiday and some other stuff that had come up in their lives around people coming, someone going in the hospital with COVID yeah. um, all these other pieces. And um, And the bottom line is that there's like some very specific things that go into place to get you through anything, whether it's the holidays or not, but it's really about resiliency. We've talked about resiliency before, but the psychological concept and the well-being of a person really comes down to how resilient are you? How resilient do you perceive yourself? And if you perceive yourself accurately or not, and then what do you do in the spaces that don't feel so resilient. How do you get there? So um that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big show, right? That's the whole game. I know. Isn't it? Yes.
1: It's the whole mental health game.
0: Yeah. So it, and it has all these little pieces to it. I, and I, I usually have nine or 10 pieces to it. I have no idea if I'll get to all of them today because I'm sure we'll get stuck on a few because they're very big. But the number one piece I always tell people is if you have composure, and I don't think I've talked about this no. ever on my show. No. If you have composure, in a moment, kind of like I, I liken it to my athletes that I work with. If you have composure and you don't let them see you sweat kind of thing and you and your mind accept the acceptance sandwich, that's what I call it. It's an acceptance sandwich. You accept what is You know, so someone someone's coming and they don't like Aunt Sue and someone has gone into the hospital with COVID and someone's got a drinking problem and someone's got a money issue um, and they are coming to the house and they didn't bring any gifts, but they expect gifts from you. Like all the different things. Having composure is the number one key to not feeling paralyzed or feeling like you have to jump in and help everybody or or fix everybody or or. You know somehow manage the whole situation which is what most people do they try to manage that relationship that's not going to work the person with the financial issue the one that's going to have the drinking issue the one that's whatever it is it's all those things that give you the lack of composure so yeah. athletes have the same thing when they perform really well it's because they're not falling apart on the sidelines is because they've actively in their mind gotten composure to become more resilient and that's i think is probably the if not the number one factor probably closest to how you really stay co- resilient. You can have other things that kind of fall off the wayside, but if you lack composure or you are really minimal on it, you're not going to be able to get out of the, uh, the paralysis mode because you're overanalyzing right. your ability to control for other things, which is a second aspect of composure to resiliency is how out of control do you feel Versus, um, you know, and 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 what do you really have control over? People try to take control over things to make themselves feel better, which then makes them feel more out of control because they don't have control, and therefore they become less resilient because they lack composure because they fall apart and get stuck. A really Look key, at that little vicious cycle.
1: A little key moment for me was a few years ago. My ex gave my kids a copy of The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I don't yep. know if you're familiar with it.
0: Yeah, we talked about that.
1: Yeah, and because they, she handed it to him, I want to know. I wanted to know what they were reading. So I read it and I wasn't particularly impressed by the book, but then I started looking into him a little bit and saw a couple of talks he did at Berkeley and they weren't like big stage talks. They were just in a classroom, small auditorium type right. of situation and they weren't highly produced, but there are a lot of gems that came out of that. And he made me realize that you spend a lot of time trying to, con- trying to control the universe yes. when you have no control over it. Right. And it's ultimately exhausting and self-defeating. Right. You have to understand what you have some control over and what you don't have some control over.
0: Right. And so and and to that point, that's what gives you that's what ends up giving you composure because when you yeah. realize what you really have control over, which is so minimal, like take the example of of the person who said today, and I've there's lots of people that have had this, that said, you know, their their grandfather or their father and the in their their son's grandfather has gone into the hospital with COVID. Yeah. And and this person this morning was telling me all about like, oh my gosh, and they could die. And and point blank, I said, yep, the person's X age. They have all these pre-existing conditions. They are unvaccinated. They have blah, blah, blah So this, the deck, and I was very honest, the deck is stacked against them in this. You have no control. You can't go in and see them. You can't change the outcome. You can't change the medications. You can't change the regimen. You can't change what happened to get them in the hot. Like, and the person was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I was trying to control for, all these things. And that's what she was doing. She was trying to control for prior to it. (laughs) Like if if, it's as if I could go back and fix it. And she didn't even realize in the moment that she was just trying to fix it from afar. And then I said, you have to accept that it is what it is and not, not cavalier, like it is what it is, but it's, this is the present moment and there's nothing you can do. Zero. That feels bad, but you still have to live. So going to your untethered soul piece of like how important that, control, you can't control the universe. You can't control all these things that are happening in other people's lives. The only thing you have control over is you. If you have, in this case, she has children. So I was saying, you have to still keep going. You still have to wrap the presents and you still have to go your grocery shop, whatever your list was, it doesn't stop because you're thinking too much about how you can help the situation when there's no help to be given
1: and the other thing that people do and i hate to keep using this situation because a person is in it and they're dealing with it but they catastrophize situations and they try to deal with all the variables at the same time right in other words they'll take a worst case scenario and they'll start dealing with that emotionally and it's a it's not going to change anything right b you'll have the opportunity to deal with that emotionally should it happen right but now deal with what you've got right right
0: well, right, because you're looking at it realistically. Yeah. it goes back to my three R's. You know, rational, realistic, and reasonable. Just like with an athlete, is it? You know, are you looking at the scenario realistically for yourself? Are you going to be able to get that, get over that mountain, logically, pragmatically, reasonably, instead of all these fantasies of what ifs, the catastrophe, the, you know, the, the, the stinking thinking. Well,
1: what would, from an athlete standpoint, what would Bill do? A guy sitting there and he gets beat on a play. And he's thinking this guy's going to beat me all day. Right. It's going to be brutal. And that's not helping you. No, it's not changing the situation. The situation is next play.
0: Exactly. Right. Moving forward. Right. The next thing. Cause you have, that's over and there's nothing to do. You can't go back and undo. It's very similar to working with trauma. Right. Or people that have like, just, you know, the, the, uh, residual baggage from their their lives their childhood is you can't go back and change what has already happened right have a short
1: memory is what athletes told all the time exactly
0: have have very short memory but also looking forward
1: forward, you don't have to cover them for the rest of the day you have to cover them on this play right approach it that way
0: right yeah exactly and and moving forward is just moment to moment sometimes and people you know either they're way future oriented which gets you in trouble or they're way back in the past which gets you in trouble it's 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 what is it now? What is it in this moment, in the next few moments, or the next, like micro-goaling? What's in the next few moments versus a couple days from now, let alone two weeks, three months? But
1: if you keep planning and keep emotionally working every worst-case scenario, which a lot of people do, think of how exhausting that is and how useless it is because not every situation is going to come to its worst case scenario
0: right well and most of the time as you know yeah. they don't come to worst case right. scenarios and people feel like if i prepare i mean i have many clients over my years of doing work that say well if i prepare for the work <laughs> i prepare for the worst then the worst happens i'm already prepared it's like well <laughs> but the worst doesn't usually happen so you're right. wasting a lot of opportunities that come your way because you're paralyzed because you miss them which is my case in point this morning with my phone call right before this was the person was getting paralyzed because they were overthinking all the worst case scenarios of someone's going to die. And then this other person's out of control and they can't control for it. And that's what happens is that there's no, there's no real planning for the what ifs, what ifs or what ifs for whatever reason people often say, well, how long is it going to take for me to feel better? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I don't have a crystal ball, but my standard answer for the most part is depending on the person, but usually it's a year from now, let's talk about where you were and where you have come from and where you are now. Yep. So, and then usually the year comes around and it's like, Oh my gosh, the whole year has gone by so fast. And then we re, you know, recount all the different things that have changed. And when you don't do that, you don't have a good sense of self, but when you do it, you have a sense of self of, Oh my gosh, I've made progress because I inched along kind of like weight loss. I want to lose 50 pounds. If you say you want to lose 50 pounds and you don't go one little step at a time and you're too you know, too committed to oh no, I didn't lose five pounds this week versus yeah. oh I feel better, I drank my water, I did all these things. You're you're gonna lose the ground of of knowing that oh I have control in the moment. I drank my water today. I didn't eat a sleeve of Oreos. I always go to the sleeve of Oreos. Yeah. I must yeah because like it's tough. <laughs> I know, right? The sleeve yeah. of Pringles. Oof. Yeah. Um but you know, so it's it's really about like staying present and and you know whether it's the untethered soul or ecertoli's you know you know in the moment now yeah. here now
1: but perspective is helpful too because especially when we in these holiday situations because yeah. what you do is you fear going into a family situation on a dinner and there's going to be fights and there's going to be political talk and you know you know uncle joe's going to get drunk or whatever it is <laughs> and sometimes the perspective of okay so what's going to happen the next day right everything's going to be fine. You're going to wake up and go back to your life and having that perspective of this is not a long-term damaging situation. Right. You know, you you go, you have a dinner, you wake up the next day, everything's okay.
0: Well, and, and that's, and that's the, I think that that's, you know, to the point of saying at the end of the day, is it really going to matter? Cause nothing's, nothing's going to change because you know, whatever uncle, so-and-so comes and he usually gets drunk and this person usually fights with politics. And this person usually says something really mean. And this person asks, why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? I mean, but at the end of the day, tomorrow is just going to be like yeah. the day before the holiday because you're going to go back to your life and it really doesn't really matter. Not really, but people get so caught up right. in, um, like you said, perspective, but it's the perspective of worrying about what other people think, how, how they formulate, you know, your, your being in the world, instead of it just being like, I'm in control of me. It doesn't matter what other people think. Um, You know, you aren't, you are not an extension of other people. Um, many, many parents teach that, that you are an extension of us. So therefore yeah. you, you, you know, out in the world, therefore you're reflecting who we are. That's, you know, to some degree, I think for growing up years and teaching good morals and values, and certainly those things is, is one thing. But once there's like adulting, that's not an extension. Even even teenage, yeah. like you're not really an extension because parents and you know, you start to individuate. That's the whole developmental period of of time when kids and adults become individuals. Well, really. that's
1: that's the problem point, isn't it? Because in the teenage years, uh self-identity becomes external. Right. Right. You you're you are what your group of people thinks you are. Right. And you give up that control over your self-identity, and that's when the problem starts.
0: Well, you're fighting. So I wouldn't say necessarily you're giving it up. I mean, certainly in some cases, I mean, I see teenagers all the time, give it up, you know, so to speak, but it's more about, um, they're in conflict between seeking out who they are versus who other people think they are, who they want to be versus who other people think that they are in that way. So, I mean, and that's the identity versus role confusion piece that is common in all, you know, 12 to 18 year olds of trying to really figure out, you know, everything about themselves. Where do I fit in? Which group? Um, Who do I, who do I want to hang with? Who do I want to be seen with? How do I want to be seen? And then some kids don't even look at it like that. that They don't even care how they're seen because they're so busy trying to fit into this group, whether it's with, you know, the band or the drama or the sports or drugs or whatever it is, just where there's acceptance. And that goes back to kind of the top of the hour kind of saying well it's coming down to where do i have control where i have acceptance um so many big pieces to this because that's just like yeah. the family dinner at, at christmas on saturday or fr- on friday night this week is where do you sense control um where does your perspective are you uh, you know are you being casual and too true to yourself or are you or or formal and true to yourself versus well my parents want me to look this way and they want me to talk like this. And Oh, by the way, I'm 40 and, (laughs) and, but I'm still worrying about what, you know, my grandmother might say and what they think of what I'm wearing and how that gift wasn't the one that I wanted. And it's just so burdening as opposed to having the resiliency to be assured of yourself. Like, you know, do you know what your meaning is for you? Do you know what the holiday meaning in this context for you? Do you know, um, what kind of image do you want to portray because of based on what you want? Um, oftentimes people will say, oh, I want to be me and true to me. And then there's an angry edge to them because they're yeah. actually fighting so hard against what they think is coming at them from the other side. So they're not actually being true to them. They're just resisting and reacting. And then it comes out as angry, agitated and defensive. Um there's just so many things that come out here because that's all in an effort to try to control. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps looping back around. It's yeah. it's and and that's in an effort to be resilient and to have composure, but that's not the healthiest range of composure and resiliency because the perspective is off. So do you know who you are? Do you know who you are, Lou? I think so. Okay. So yeah, I like to think so. So I think a lot of people don't know who they are. They think that they know. I think you do know who you are because you've done a lot of soul searching, right? But a lot of people don't know that. I ask my class every semester to write a paper in the first two weeks of class. Who am I? And the amount of brain mechanics that goes into these (laughs) papers that I see sometimes and the stress level, you know, I do it with my undergrads and I do it with my grad students that. And they both, they're both struggling, whether it's a 30 year old in grad school or it's the 18 year old. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You know, the, yeah. and because you, I get the basic answers of, you know, I'm a daughter, a sister, a brother, an uncle. I work, I go to school, you know. And then I get people who really go into, I'm a very complicated person. And they go into a really big self reflection, which is really a person who knows themselves we'll go into that space. And so, you know, giving feedback right out of the gate on, Oh, this is resiliency. And I say that on their papers, you know, this is resiliency. Um, And other people that say like, I'm the surface. I just say, well, can we go deeper than this? Can you see, get bigger
1: in those papers? Do you ever see reflection? In other words, you're hearing they're saying who they are is what they're being told they are.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so I, so, so two things, I actually call it a reflection paper. And this is a good exercise for people that are listening too. if, you know, take a, take a one page, no more than one page. They're not allowed to do more than one page so that there's no superfluous BS. Sure. So it's one page of reflection paper. So how do you see yourself? And, and it's amazing. It, it still falls out like with some people being very surface and superficial, which is fine. And then, in, cause it gives me an idea of where the person's at in their thinking yeah. process. And then people that are really, Um, About like, well, I think that my parents see me this way. I get a lot of my parents see me this way. My parents expect this of me in my undergrads. When I have my graduate students who range anywhere from 20 to 65 years old, usually because they're switching careers. Sometimes I get a lot of variety of self-reflection of, you know, uh, people who have, you know, I get lots of disclosures. Like I, you know, I'm a recovering addict. Um, You know, I've been married and divorced and and was in domestic violence. I, I mean, and how that's changed me. And so it's really interesting because I think there's a developmental level of change in the older adults, but still it's really a matter of like how accepting one is of oneself to look inward, to say, Hey, I, I'm okay with me and who am I and, and who I am and versus, well, I'm going to write what I think that you want to hear, which I see a lot of.
1: Yeah. I I think one of the benefits of aging is that you drop that need that you drop that reflected, reflective ego. It becomes Mm -hmm. less important to you. People's opinions of you become less important. And often that can be a a positive thing because it allows you to be more self-reflective. If you can do that earlier in your life, it's much more useful.
0: Right. Well, because you have
1: to put on, you have to be a, you have to be a husband, you have to be an employee, you have to be, um, you know, you have to play your role.
0: Right, and that's not who you are. Those are just roles in your life. You know, you're, you're. That's not when, when people say I'm a sister, a brother, a husband, a wife, uh, an employee. That's not actually who you are. That's how you identify, but it's not actually who. Who are you inside? Are you right. um, a thoughtful person? Are you a caring person? Are you a kind person? Are you considerate? What moves you? What doesn't move you? What motivates you? Those are all the pieces that really go into um, who really you are as a person, as you. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people miss that. I, I mean, so many people that have come into my office. I'm trying to think. It's very rare that we don't work on people's worry about how other people see themselves, and certainly. I was raised in yeah. that environment of it matters what everybody else thinks. and it's... But
1: this is what makes the holiday so tough because it's right. a crucible for that. Right. And you've got all the people who have some influence in your life, your family members, significant others, in right. a situation where, you know, it's fishbowl time. And right. everybody's judging everybody or right. you know, not everybody is. Well, that's not that's everybody, katabra, right? there's yeah. a vast majority. Yeah. yeah, but you're working with other people's impressions. You're working, you're trying to manipulate other people's impressions right. more than you're normally doing on a day-to-day basis.
0: Right. And I, and I think that when you, when you, there's so many pieces of, of, of this, that, that when you're talking about resiliency and you think of um, going into a situation like this, composure, gratitude for who you are as a person, what you've accomplished, not about other people, But towards other people that you're grateful that they're here, you're grateful that you're together, you're great, whatever that is, but also gratitude towards yourself. Um, Kindness, having kindness for yourself and others, um, you know, having that feeling of um, it's different than kindness. It's compassion, forgiveness, not. So here's a big piece of this. People often say, I don't want to forgive someone. I am of the mind that you don't have to forgive anybody if you don't want to forgiveness of self of being in a situation, um, not knowing different. Maybe you were young and you didn't know something different or you couldn't get out of it. So forgiving yourself for those kinds of things, you can do that. But people often feel like, you know, whether you're trained religiously or familially, morally, you have to forgive. That's really hard for people. And in, 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 holiday situations or sitting at these family tables. I think that's one of the target things that comes up is there's so much, um, resentment at the table from accumulated events and that forgiveness is always sitting out there like, well, if you forgive, then it should be fine. And I work this a lot with clients that forgiveness isn't, um, someone else isn't winning if you forgive and you're not forgetting. And, um, Forgiveness isn't necessarily this thing where it gives uh, exoneration to another person. It's about just letting go of the resentment. So instead of saying, I forgive the person, it's more like I'm letting go of the resentment that I have that they did the things that they did. Um, But then people say, well, if you forgive someone, then you can be with them and you can have, you know, can break bread and have all these things. Not necessarily. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you can be with them. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I... I have no problem saying that, you know, sometimes you can forgive people for what they do, but then you have to love them. But from afar. (laughs) Right. So I love you, but I love you from afar, Um, because when we're together, it's too toxic. And then the forgiveness has to be constantly reworked because the resentments are still building because either, you know, either neither party's done the work or one party's done all the work and the other party hasn't done any, but they think they've done you know, the work. And so you come to the table and you're still in the same spot you were 20 years ago kind of thing. And that's a really common theme in families that why, why do that to yourself? I think I've had this conversation the past two weeks a lot Yeah, because everyone, and I, and I don't use the extremes very often, but everyone is, is really in this boat because everyone has these things that come into play and some people are more resilient of just being like, whatever, let it go.
1: Well, as you were talking, even before you get to that part, as you were talking about it, what was happening in my mind was I was thinking this is about attachment. This Mm -hmm. this is about attachment to other people's impression of you. Uh, Forgiveness is about attachment to the hurt and the issue. And that the issue will remain on when you forgive the issue remain unresolved. You just give up your attachment to it. Right. Right. And a lot of people live in the attachment. They love the attachment. Right. You know
0: what fills up their cup. Yeah. Right. So if if listeners don't know what that means in
1: the absence of positive attention, you will take negative attention. That's Right.
0: And and more more people than not live in the negative attention That Mm -hmm. at least in our culture. Right. I mean, I, I mean. That's part of my business is that people live in that negativity, and what I was going to say. Especially in our Irish families, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, when you're, you're talking about the cups being half full, you know, people are like, "Oh, it's so cliche," but actually, it's a great metaphor because some people come to the table, so to speak, with the resiliency of their cup is already half full or three quarters full, and so when they have interactions, it fills the rest of the cup up, so that when they are interacting, their cup still has fulfillment in it you can still drink from the cup and be okay whereas a vast majority of people will come with the empty cup they'll seek out whatever happens the fight at the table the the picking the condescending nature of things the the sarcasm whatever it is that actually fills people's cups up that are doing that. You know, I'll, I'll put you down to make myself feel better yep. kind of thing. You know, like little kids when they're on the playground, they'll they'll do that, the bullying. It fills their cup up. But the fact is, is when they go away from the target, the cup depletes. So then they have to find another place for the negativity. So I, I call it the Mrs. Kravitz effect. You know, yeah. she's looking out the window, Abner, Abner. She's always <laughs> getting her cup filled because she's always watching the neighbors. She's yep. always trying to figure out what's going on because she has nothing else in her own resiliency field to pull from that's like satisfying that she has to pay attention to other people's business.
1: Yeah, Creating Um, relative good in the absence of actual good. Right. In other words, I'm not that person. I'm better than that person. Right. And I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person makes you feel good about yourself when you don't have personal things to feel good about.
0: Right. Because you're, we all socially compare Yep. and there's nothing wrong with social comparison, but when it gets into the, I'm better than, or at least I'm not as bad as um, you know, To some degree, that's good. Like when we talk about people in addiction, they go to AA and they see people just starting out versus someone that's got 10 years. The social comparison is, oh, I'm, I can be that versus, oh, I'm glad I'm not that. That's an actually, that's a good comparison. But when you're sitting there saying, oh, I'm, well, I don't drink as much as that person or I, you know, I haven't had the affair like that person or that doesn't get anyone anywhere because, you know, you can't sit in the other person's shoes and judge them. But if that's making you feel better, and that's the only thing where you're getting anything good from. That's just not good. That's it's exhausting yep. for people to do that. And unfortunately, many, many people do that. They have people ha- they who love that. us so attached to that. It's feed yeah. off of that. Yeah. And the negativity and the toxicity and all that is just flagrant. I love mm. that word.
1: Flagrant. flagrant. I like it. <laughs>
0: Yes, I like that word.
1: But being careful what you first of all, you should attach to as little as possible, but but being careful about what you attach to right. is so important. Yeah. If if you're going to Christmas dinner and your you know, your mother is gonna be a pain, why are you attaching to that? Let right. it happen. It's who she is. It's gonna happen. We'll all survive. We'll be, you know, the next day. Try to minimize it as much as possible and move on.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that's, so that's one way, right? I mean, I don't, I'm not a believer in like confrontation of like firing things up at a, no. Right. But definitely like you, if you, if you're in a familial relationship that you know has toxicity in it and you know that you go in going, I'm not going to engage this. I'm not going to react because that's emotional. I'm going to respond if I can you know, in a healthy way. So you're, you're finding ways to really, you know, be composed. That's your composure. You're being able to sit with what is, um, and not engage or defend. I I think that to the point you just made is, you know, you're sitting there with whoever, auntie or mommy or daddy or whatever that has these things. And, you know, people get into the, um, defensive mode. Which fires up the person getting their cup filled because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for your normal reaction that you give them that makes the dynamic continue on and on and on. And you don't have to do that. It's like, okay. Yeah.
1: Because what they're looking for in you is that um, they're looking for you to establish, for you to admit that they're superior. Right. Right. That's what they're looking for. But uh, when people complain about that to you or they look forward to that, I'm guessing what they're saying. She makes me feel awful. Yes. She doesn't make you feel awful. Right. You accept feeling awful.
0: Right. You don't have to
1: accept feeling awful
0: because that's because the that would be the inward reflection of um, you don't you know, you don't want to feel awful, but because you're in the pattern and you know the pattern so well that if you're not responding and you're just letting it land on you and you're not putting on a filter of this is who she is or he is. And yeah. this is what they do. But you're
1: attached to them thinking you're awful. Right. And you don't have and to attach to that. They're correct. Right. And somehow yeah. there's
0: proof because they, you know, right. and many people who are, um, so I'm going to call them gaslighters. Right. So many people on the toxic side that gaslight their family members or their friends, you know, they, they, they just feed off of your feeling bad, yeah. um, to get their cup filled. And that is, that's the, that's the crux of these family get togethers that really drives people's anxiety. Um, at least in what I see in my conversations with clients that their, their toxicity is just overwhelming to them and they attach to it. And well, cause my parents says I'm bad or because they say, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. No, you really don't, but you believe it because as a child, the little child in you, the little Lou, yep. right. Right is is believing what that parent or that aunt or that uncle or that friend said and you don't have to do that because rational realistic and reasonable is that really true and you know it's a no then you let go like whatever you know how much you of you,
1: how much of your practice how much of human experience is crawling out of that hole
0: oh all of it yeah all of it. Yeah. Ath- athletes, my performing artists, especially yeah. my athletes and performing artists are especially like that. Yeah. So um, if
1: that, if it's that deeply ingrained to you, especially upbringing and family members who have been around all of your life and right. you, you've dealt with these when you were a child, you are halfway out of that hole and it's easy. For the, it, it can be easy for them to knock you back in. And that's right. actually you have. You can't give them that power. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. But, it, but it's, it's hard. It's tough. That goes to the self-reflection piece yeah. of, Are you reflecting on how it's impacting you? Are you reflecting on how not to engage the information in a, in an emotional way versus a responsive way of, I'm not going to let that bother me because it really doesn't matter to me. I only see these people X amount of time or um, it's it's about getting really, it's about getting real with yourself to know, Hey, I know how to manage the situation because 99% of the rest of the year, I'm not with these people. Or if I am, it's really limited or it's in spurts. Yep. So I don't have to really own any of this to make myself feel okay. Um, but people put on their armor yeah. <laughs> to go into these situations because they know instead of feeling confident that I can go into that and feel okay. But you can still go in these situations being fully armored in a healthy way and still come out of it feeling exhausted because you have to sure. keep that up because you know, because you have good self-awareness. You know, I have people in my life that if I spend – Ten minutes with them, it takes me like three weeks to get over the. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it takes to recover. It's a recovery process because even ten minutes. So imagine spending a whole like Christmas or a whole holiday or a whole weekend. Oh my goodness! The
1: whole the, the most exhausting thing for me in these situations is suppressing response. Right. You know, it's like I don't the engage. Your like, yeah, know, yeah. Don't engage. Don't get in. And I get into these situations where I cannot validate the person's statement but I don't want to argue with them either. Right. And that's a really tough situation to be in. Right. Yeah. but right. And, and, it's, the, and and people who are prone to using that against you don't accept that situation.
0: Right.
1: It's like, you know, you get into a situation in a discussion you say, okay. And, you know, you don't want to validate, but you don't want to argue either. And they won't, they won't leave it with that because what they're looking for is the benediction. And so they'll keep digging. Right. They're, tra- they're trying to get you to agree that they're well, right. And
0: they're trying right. And they're trying to get you to engage. Right in the pattern that they know right so i have that's exhausting
1: for me because that's a strong impulse response is a strong impulse for me right yeah
0: so i have so i have a couple clients that are good examples of of kind of i i what i think is a very general theme at these things is um they have parents who and we've talked about this before you know just because you have the title of mother or father doesn't give you anything else unless you've earned the respect right? But right. sometimes there are parents and people in people's lives that believe that just because they have the title, they, they owe their own, they're owed everything, right? Right. Um, there's many people like that. Um, and so I have clients that we've been working on heavily over the past year going into the pandemic, coming back um, out of, you know, whatever, and people getting back together that they're like, oh God, well, I have to be back with these people and I have to be <laughs> able to know what to say. And, right. um, and it's, and the, and specifically these parents it's it's a common phrase it's like well, oh where have you been you know <laughs> or oh my gosh i haven't seen you you're still alive kind of thing and and the per- these people re- like to respond with defensiveness of well yeah of course i am like what is that what you know what does yeah. that to mean and the person's like well you haven't called me and i've been helping these clients say yeah of course i'm still alive uh-huh
1: yep. just
0: repeating back or you know, where have you been exactly where I always am, Yeah. you know, or why haven't you called, um, phone works both ways. Yeah. Um, this, this misnomer that a child or an adult child owes the parent, they're adults. So if you want to talk to someone, Lou, if I want to talk to you, I'm going to call you. I'm not going to just wait for you to call me yep. because you should, because you know, you're the producer and I'm talent. Like it's, we're human beings. I want to talk to you. Let's talk. Not wait. Well, why didn't you call me Lou? (laughs) It's, you know, or, or my, you know, my parent doesn't call me because they think I should be calling them. And that somehow means that I don't love them. Well, no, that's just because I didn't call you. You want to call me, call me. Um, And that goes back to some of these people having the thing with their families that um, do you want, I, I say to them, do you want to be wanted because and you want to go to these things and be with these people because you want to or because you have to, and wouldn't you want your kids or wouldn't you want your family members to want to come versus I have to out of obligation, and that's a really common family theme of, yeah. well I can't, I have young I have young twenty somethings this week getting ready to go back home for the holidays, and I said oh why aren't you staying here they live in like Connecticut and Vermont and whatever and they're leaving there for their weekends and they're like oh my mother would never let me spend the holiday with so and so. Yep. <laughs> like why you're 26 why why? And they all have this very well my parent mother father well they they don't they wouldn't allow that. What? Yeah. <laughs> right? And I totally understand that cuz I had a little bit of that in my life as well that you know, yep. it somehow shows love or that Christmas has to be on the day or if it's not it's not the the holiday or you know, celebrating your birthday has to be on the day. And well, if you've got 400 people in your life and everyone wants to celebrate it with you, you can't do yeah. Christmas or holiday. So it's, again, it goes back to what's reasonable, what's rational, what's realistic. You can't please everybody. And at the end of the day, if you're exhausting yourself by tra- trying to please everyone else and you end up being suffering, well, what good is that?
1: But as the parent, if your kids don't come back for the holidays. Right that's not acceptable because that just feeds all the problems. So what happens is they'll, again, they'll take the negative attention. If they can't get the kid wanting to come back for the holidays, they'll take the obligatory. They'll come back and then they'll, you know, make hay out of that too. Right. And because the alternative is no kids for the holiday. And then they have to self-reflect on why there are no kids for the holiday.
0: Right. And that's painful. Yeah. And, and so so I, I have to say, so that it's not always focusing on these negative things. Um, I focus on those things because they're more generalizable and they're more common. You do have many families that have no issue with this, Mm -hmm. which is why they don't land in my office. Yeah, (laughs) Because there is no issue, because there are healthy fam. they're not, there's no functional families fully, but there's less dysfunction in some families where they actually have good reciprocity of respect and love and kindness and compassion and understanding where that's not an issue, it's just understood. And I have parents that are like, woohoo, no kids this year. We're going on a cruise or <laughs> yeah. we're going to Greece or, or we're just going to have a nice, you know, whatever. And then they're coming for Sunday dinner, you know, so there's healthy ways of their, are processing it because they haven't, and this is the attachment on the other side. They haven't attached their identity to their child, fulfilling them and their needs right. based on, on they show. Uh, when they want right. their beck and call. So their attachment isn't based and their, their, their own identity isn't, I'm a parent. If they don't come back, what does that say about me? It's, Oh, they didn't come back, but they're coming another time or we've made arrangements um, versus c- people who are like, I'm not coming at all. I mean, I have clients and I have friends that do yeah. not go home at all because they can't stand yeah, it being with their families and the families. I have no doubt are sitting there. I well, I know a couple families that definitely sit with it's not us, it's them. So they deflect it back. And then there's some that are definitely thinking, oh, I know it's.
1: But sometimes that's positive. If they, yeah. Sometimes, well, my kid's not going to be with me on Christmas because they've grown up, they have their lives, they're dealing with another, their
0: right. I significant other's family
1: or, you know, they have things going on. Right. And it's okay. Cause I'll get a call and, you know, or we'll, you know, we'll right. work it out. We'll, we'll go for dinner a week later or something, you know, it's right. You know, sometimes it's, it's a good thing. It's, it reflects on you positively because the kids are their own people.
0: Right. right well, now. you did a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause they're coming back to the, to the home that they were raised in or wherever you are with the want to be there, not because they feel obligated and resentful and really would want to be somewhere else. Right. Which really happens a lot. Um, Cause of the way parents or people in general set it up. Cause it goes back to, oh, I'm going to go because I'm going to be judged poorly if I don't, or if I don't do the right thing, or if I don't say the right thing, or if I don't wear the right thing, yeah. it's become such a uh, a thing. And that's such a common experience for so many people. That's why I, I highlight Thanksgiving to New Year's because this is such a high time yeah. for all this. It doesn't happen really to the extent any other time of year, but this one for all these holidays, um, right across the board for everybody. Um, and it's so much pressure. Yeah. It gives people so much... Uh, Emotional strain because people lose hope. And it, this is the time where people lose a lot of hope in their lives, where they're um, feeling so overwhelmed by just this one thing. And I haven't even added in, oh, it's this is also a time of grieving for people because people have lost loved ones. Holidays bring that up for people. This is a time of remembering and reminiscing about what you've accomplished during the year, or what you haven't, mm-hmm. or what you f- feel fulfilled on. People trying to do their New Year's resolutions
1: that,
0: yeah. <laughs> That aren't going to work because you're not doing it the right way. You know, so all these, all these other factors, and we're just talking about these little family microcosm sections. um, You add all that in and the hope, the hope of the season of this eight week run is pushed to its limits for a lot of people. Oh, and then in add in people who have addiction and people who drink extra during the holiday and adding in grief and loss and, um, you know, COVID, so often the, add it all together, and it's just a big block.
1: So often, this part of the year is like your final, exa- your emotional final exam. Yeah, w- with a lot of people, it's like, how much do you love me? How much do you care about me? How much? How big a part am I mm-hmm. in your life? It's right. all sums up in whatever presents you give, or whether you show up for the party, or whether right. you don't. And right. it's like it's so unfair because ultimately, hopefully, all of this is being expressed throughout the year.
0: Right.
1: You know, this isn't a final exam. It's it's a holiday.
0: Well, and that, and that's, I mean, I have I have this one client that said almost to that point the other day. She was saying, "This is so exhausting," and she can't wait for it to just get to New Year's because, and she didn't say the final exam, but she's like, 40 presents do not make me love you more. Right. It doesn't show that I love you anymore. It's not, it's not that, and it's so exhausting. It's, why can't we just do lights and music and?" whatever yeah. else you know the rituals are and that's why people love thanksgiving because there's no presents per se but there's such that rush but yeah i think a lot of people really feel that um and don't get into that space everyone asked me this year what do you want my answer this year was nothing yeah i because i first of all it's always if i always want answer. something
1: yeah.
0: yeah i'll either ask for it or i'll get it and also i don't feel like i need anything like well, I want a million dollars, actually, I want a million dollars, <laughs> but, you know, but that's here, and there, but there's nothing, and it's not being like, oh, I'm feeling like, but I, feel that I pre- just don't feel like I need anything, and I don't really want anything, but I, I feel I that I want pressure. people to be nice, you know, yeah. I want people to be kind, I'd like people to be nice and compassionate, yeah. you know, and not be, you know, the, all the little potty words that could come out of my mouth, <laughs> <laughs> right, Um, uh, I had, I just a side story, I had a client that, has been with me for a really long time and sent me the funniest meme of SpongeBob. Um and I'm not a big SpongeBob watcher because yeah. well SpongeBob, but yeah um but Spongebob and I can't believe kids watch this because it's kind of funny yeah. for an adult, but kids watch this stuff and it was the I don't know what the character's name, but he runs around talking singing I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> and so my client said that to me. Yeah. Because this is I have heard I hate people more times in the past, like eight weeks, you yeah. know? So it's kind of like a theme It's like, I, people come in and say, do you hate people today? Yeah. And was like, yes, I hate people. I hate, you know, and you've said it before. I yeah. hate, I hate people. I, I hate people. In general. I
1: hate people in general. I like pe- people, people in particular. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's,
0: it's that thing is, is that's the theme of going, you know, when we were talking about that other thing that came yeah. to mind that so many people have that piece going on for them to feel really, okay with yeah. themselves
1: my thing i always answer nothing or with the kids a lot of times they'll ask what do you want for your birthday what do you want yeah. for christmas i want time yeah you know let's have dinner or something right but i always always answer nothing because i feel the pressure on the other side and it's kind of a gift to me like don't worry about that i'm not one, one you have to worry about right you know just take See, that pressure that's off
0: interesting because i i don't necessarily feel like it's a pressure on the other side for me you know just speaking for me i think it's more like i really I don't expect people to do that i like it sure and i'm glad you know i have gratitude for it and and it makes me feel good but it's not like i expect it um certainly nice when i get it yeah but you know certainly like i i like a card that comes you know that says something like from you know clients give me stuff and i love when they write these like beautiful notes i taught my class last week It was the last final exam and one of my students gave me a little gift card for Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. and and inside the little thing that right, it was more meaningful than the gift card itself. Although I love my Dunkin' Donuts, inside it was just this little blurb that said, um, "Professor Lannon, thank you so much. I've made a change in my career because of you, and I'm going to save that forever because of that. And that's and that was like, oh, that made my that made my holiday kind of that that kind of stuff is what makes me. That's a gift in the. You know, I'd rather have that. It's know, funny. The and a une- million dollars, yeah.
1: The <laughs> and unexpected 000, and the, un- winning the lottery. The unexpected stuff is so gratifying. It's like when I was doing radio more than podcasts, right? And it's like you'd get gifts from listeners. You'd show up and it'd be a gift from a listener or something, right? With a little note, and it's like they had absolutely no obligation to do that, right? But but took the you know meant enough that they took the time to do it, and it's like wow, that's great. You
0: yeah, know? It's, it's well, because it's unexpected. Yeah, you're not asking for it, and I don't know. It just feels weird to even think that. Yeah. Now on the flip side of that, we have a, a very large culture and society of that. Cl- the client that was talking about the 40 gifts of gluttony and more is more, yep. which goes to the whole addict society and like the epidemics that we have around, like using lots of things to make us feel good, whether it's food, um, gifts, yeah, things, you know,
1: but that's void filling. Yeah, a lot. A lot of times, like I've got, got to have the next thing. Uh, you know, teenagers are like this a lot. Yeah. They can't sit there; they got to have the next thing. So they're looking for the next sensation. Yeah, whether it come in the form of a gift or whether it come in the form of food or whether it, you know, whatever it comes, what you know, whatever doing it's next through. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. What's coming next? I'm What's next? Board. Yeah.
0: Well, that's and that's and that's. But a of lot of biggest... people
1: live in that state.
0: Well, and and that's one of the hardest things I think about holidays is in talking about resiliency being challenged. Is here you have like these big extravagant, you know, present days. And then it's like, you know, I cook all day and then everyone eats in 20 minutes and it's over, (laughs) you know, it's the post, it's the post holiday regret. It's well, that's it. It's over. And then you reset for the next year and people already start talking about I'm buying for next year already. Whoa, wait a second. We didn't even get through this and you haven't even played with that yet. And they're already talking about what I want for my birthday kind of thing. But this is part of what sets people up for for disappointment and anger and agitation and resentments because what happened to the things that you just wanted that you just got and well because it filled your cup up yep and then as soon as it was over your cup started to deplete because now you had nothing to look forward to because you delayed the gratification till a specific date but then you got everything and then it's over um and I like to give people experiences, you know, so, you know, doing things like we're going to go bowling or we're going to go do something, we're going to go for a hike and we're going to have dinner, like you said, you know, and I'll give gifts as you know, like I like to do that, but Mm -hmm. it's also, I'd rather do something that's memorable because you're not going to remember the shoots and ladders that you gave the, the kids aren't going to remember that. Right. They're not going to remember the three sweaters and the two sweatshirts and the pair of socks and the. they are going to remember it until they open the next
1: gift. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And so, you know, and I know families make time to spend lots of time opening up gifts. I mean, I tend to do that, you know, and there's coffee in between and watching something, you know, Christmas story looping and, <laughs> you know, and getting up and doing other things just because it makes it last longer. Um, but still at the end of the day, it's not an experience. It's like, ah, uh, so I'm of the mind to try to do that. But, you know, here and there, cause three days out, people have already done their, even
1: their before, extravaganzas. Even before that, by noon, you're looking at the pile of wrapping paper and, you know, have to pick that up.
0: <laughs> well, it's very fun for John. I have to say, because oh, he's very much looking forward to the inferno of burning afterwards. Cause we burn.
1: Oh, I like it.
0: We burn the, we get it all out. And it's like. Midday, it's all gone. So he breaks everything down, boxes go on recycling, all that stuff, but everything else. He's like, bur, he's got it already. Men he's building
1: like, fires. Yeah. He's like, I can't yeah. wait.
0: It's like the it's a good thing. His favorite activity. Yeah. I was like, let's burn the pile.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, and you know, that's
1: when of... men feel godlike.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when they have a well, fire, that, have well, a fire going, going start I'll a fire. And, yeah. John, do you feel godlike? But he's talked about it this week a couple of times. It's like, this is going to be in a great pile because this year we have a whole bunch of people going to be with us. Because Bill passed away this year. And so the family will be with us in the house. So instead of, we usually come together at the end of the day and kind of do the the smaller thing. It's going to, my house looks a little bit like Santa's workshop currently. (laughs) um, Because to the point of all the craziness, um, I've had to talk to the kids that are all teenagers now. Like, more is not more. Because I'll get the text every day saying, I got you something else. I'm like, will you stop buying things? Yeah. And then another thing adds to the pile. I'm like, you're just getting to get. Stop doing yep, that. Yeah, exactly. But that's but that's you know. I think it's really indicative of so many people um, and the stress it puts on you and the financial bur- burden of how you know.
1: I'm just processing as we're talking about this. It, it, one of my favorite events, and they, they happen in a lot of towns, but in Newbury we have a bonfire. Yeah. Where everybody brings the Christmas trees right. to this farm. We and do it's that out too, the, down yeah. Yeah, out in the middle of the field, and it's a huge fire. It's my favorite event of the year. Yeah. Because <laughs> like. Burn Christmas burn. You know, well,
0: like, well, I don't I wouldn't necessarily think of it like it's that. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> but I know from the group the the scroogey, Grinchy person, yeah. Yeah. that sounds good for you. <laughs> yeah. Burn Christmas burn. I Here's can the exhale. The day. Do bring, not put that on my tagline today. <laughs> <laughs> when you repost this for my tagline, don't say oh, burn Christmas. I, burn. Like I will it. get hate mail.
1: <laughs> I kinda I wasn't going to, but oh, I kinda good. like but it. But now
0: you're thinking, like, yeah. oh, that's a good tagline. That'll yeah. be our joke one on the side. Yeah burn Christmas burn well yeah because it's you know
1: I'll bring my flask and I'll just watch Christmas burn
0: and it'll be oh, fun that's right your flask <laughs> yeah with your with your bourbon I gave you how yeah. is your bourbon by the it's way
1: excellent
0: yeah are we almost done with it oh no no oh well I gave it to you three weeks ago I figured you know you'd be doing know. pretty well through it
1: well uh, right now I've got because it's the holiday season I got two or three bottles open
0: so oh you have them all going at the same time yeah, yeah. so you well never,
1: you never save bourbon especially my age <laughs> You never know if you're going to be there to finish the bottle.
0: So there we go. Um, Well, it will be very exciting because Lou and I have been trying to plan to have our holiday lunch, which has not happened yet because it's it's holidays and it's busy. But um, but I've threatened Lou that you know when I come up to find, did you see all the snowy owls that are up there? I'm shifting gears here for a second. Yeah. Everyone that has never listened, I'm a snowy owl fan, and they are all back, and they are an epic. Proportion this year. yep the drinking game to... is in full swing. Yeah, they are like on Plum
1: Island. We drink when there's a picture of a piping plover or the pink house or the snowy owl.
0: Yes. And yeah. while well, you should be drinking a lot because there are a lot of snowy owls, <laughs> there and I've seen them snowy every house. day online on my on my groups.
1: I've seen pictures, I haven't seen one yet. But well, I've have seen you really
0: pictures. gone out on the beach and really looked. Well no, I don't go. Yeah. Huh?
1: No, I don't usually have to. Usually they're on the turnpike.
0: Oh, yeah, but home. that's not the same. Yeah. Like the turnpike, they're just flying through. So the turnpike for everyone that doesn't know up in plum island is like the bridge crossover that actually gets you on the island yeah. and then when you actually get to the beach area that's like an eight mile stretch they're just all nesting up in all the different areas or they're sitting on the big boardwalks yeah. or the girls saw one on the, on the south
1: jetty so they've, they've seen one but i haven't seen one yet
0: there's well they're often sitting on the jetties or up in that little rock formation they sit in because the, there's all those tall grasses and yep. whatever but um Nonetheless, now I gave it away where, where they sit. So there's going to be this onslaught of people. Well, everybody knows now, where they say. I have to yeah. give the PSA for people: if you're going to look at a snowy owl, do not. And this is this is what they call it for the Audubon Society: do not molest them, which means do not. Get, I had to say that. Do not get near their territory. Always good advice because it messes them up. That's what they call it. Yeah. Do not molest the animals, which means do not get into their space. I've, got, not, a,
1: I've got a guy i got a guy that i'm friends with and he's a nature for he's a really good nature photographer it's like a hobby for him so there's like a snowy owl picture from him like all the time and then at a certain point in the season he starts saying the same thing yeah don't molest the owls dude you're taking pictures of him every 10 minutes right (laughs) you're the problem well so
0: so there's a difference between having the 600 and 800 and thousand millimeter lens which you can get of shot, like you're standing next to them. And it's funny because when they're posted online, um, people will put up like this is taken with 800 yep. because people are very sensitive to that because other people, they, so someone posted a picture the other day, these two guys who are very well known photographers in the area of doing wildlife photography around mm-hmm. here. I won't name them because it's out there on the internet right now, but someone posted them standing side by side with their big long lenses right not taking the picture of the owl but the owls from me to you and they're that close to the owl oh, and yeah. and people were very angry about yeah. it because way too close and you know they're you know they're protected that you shouldn't be around them and whatever the whole point of going in my opinion this is kind of like christmas for me the whole point of going is to be on the search and to find them off in the distance and see them and watch them <laughs> Much to John's dismay, for hours. Yeah. Because <laughs> yesterday he's, I said I'm going up, and he's like, "Oh God." I'm like, "I'm going up." He's like, "That's awesome." I'm not going. He'll go because he loves going. Because in like, my mind, what I'm thinking I sit is for hours and watch.
1: You see them, you find them, and then what do you do in the next five minutes? <laughs> John's really? probably the same way.
0: Well, he, <laughs> there's so, one. Hey, <laughs> but here's the other thing: when you're really, when there's a really good amount of snowy owls there, or there's yeah. like sitting because they will sit for a long time it's social because you've got 10 other wildlife photographers sitting with you. And I find out more about what lens I should have, shouldn't have what I've done wrong, how I take a better picture because we all sit around and chat while we wait for this bird to move,
1: do something. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So it's a, it's, it's where I find peace and where I find happiness and joy. It gives me some joy as much as it might annoy you. (laughs) It doesn't annoy me because it's very peaceful. Doesn't Lou. It doesn't annoy me.
1: Oh, you can do what you want. It, it's 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 kind of fun. Most of it's down in the refuge. So
0: I know. Stop yeah. telling people where it is. Well,
1: God. But the, the they will sit there. I'm, how many times have I driven out from the island and there's an owl? There's an owl jam on the turnpike. Yep. and People are taking pictures and they come back and the owl's still there.
0: I know. And then it's the like, police officer's yelling at everyone through his intercom, going, "Do not park on the side." So everyone goes and parks in that parking lot and walks up, and then he can't do anything about it because you can't move someone that's standing there it annoys i can last year i the police officer kept getting annoyed at people really yeah because people were parking on the turnpike instead of parking in that lot
1: yeah well it happens all the time so
0: right and then they come through and they yell and and then he actually he actually yelled at me last year and he said move your car i said my car's not on the road he said where's your car i said over there in the parking lot he's like oh then you're fine (laughs) i was like i know because i know the rules yeah, good good for you <laughs> i know the rules yeah um anyway so just as a announcement next week we will be coming from here but the following week i will be coming from the mountains Ooh, did you know that no oh i'm going to your favorite place are you i am
1: i tried to go for new year's eve but this sold out
0: oh you should have asked me we'll talk after okay we'll talk after okay because i'm gonna be there on new year's eve are you Yes. Oh wow. You should have asked me. <laughs> See, you don't use your resources. You don't use me enough. We're Jeez. going to
1: that town, but we couldn't go to that. That place has ruined me for other hotels, by the way.
0: Oh, I could I could make it worse. Yeah. I can make it worse. I could show you the other one. Oh, good. All right. That one's like good, but there's a better one. <laughs> um, anyway. So next week we will be um, coming into the micro goaling of the hopefully you're doing your water hopefully you're doing small little changes. Hopefully you're not waiting till the first of the year to go cold turkey on food, drinking, shopping, spending, whatever it is that you're planning on being amazing at next year, that you're doing it now so that you don't shock your system next (laughs) next week. Mm -hmm. Um, But you guys have a great Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas and you celebrate something else this week um, or not at all, and you stay in and watch, you know, Who knows, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or something weird like that? Then you do that and have whatever it is. You do it well and be happy, and be resilient and have composure and and only control what you can control for. Because that's all it is. It is what it is, Lou.
1: Burn Christmas, burn.
0: Oh my god! (laughs) And on that note, y'all, thanks a lot, Lou. (laughs) Everyone, Merry Christmas. Have a great week. I'll see you next week.